go ahead and touch on the eating disorders. I've been meaning to do this episode uh, for quite some time, but I am kind of wrapping some things up and I just wanted to share the information um, and knowledge that I have in regards to this specific illness. So, uh, then I'm also going to go ahead and work on the remainder of the chakras and I have left the uh, throat, the third eye, and the crown. I'd like to get those done before the end of the year. That's my goal. So, what's an eating disorder? I did a specialized training in eating disorders. I believe it was probably back around 2010-ish. So, I mean, over 10 years. And I wanted to make eating disorders my specialty and my expertise. Uh, It just hasn't come to fruition as of yet. But I did an eight-hour specialized training uh, several years ago. In addition, you know, to my general uh, mental health education background. So... I'm going to share with you some of what I recall and remember, and I'm going to kind of like talk the way that I talk with my clients sometimes. And, um, you know, and I'm just going to share general information. So there's a difference between disordered eating and a true eating disorder. So I'm going to go ahead and um, share with you what an eating disorder kind of looks like. So for starters, research has been done, tons of studies and evidence out there now to support that an eating disorder begins at birth. Typically it runs on the mom's side of the family. An eating disorder is something that you will have for the rest of your life. Uh, It does not go away. We just learn how to cope with it. The reason why I wanted to make eating disorders um, my expertise is because I had an intense passion to want to help individuals that were struggling with this type of illness because it is the number one lethal mental health diagnosis. Eating disorders will kill you. And if you kind of wrap your brain around and think about what happens to the body when you restrict your diet, which is a form of anorexia, or what happens to your body when you are purging and vomiting back up your food um, that causes damage to the body, and it causes damage to the heart. And if somebody happens to be obese, that weighs on the heart. So the heart has to work harder than what it needs to. So eating disorders are the number one lethal mental health diagnosis. And this is why I wanted to get into this particular field. 
Um, I do have several different clients that have true eating disorders um, and are actively um, struggling with uh, binging and purging and restricting. So an eating disorder begins at birth. You have forever, but we can learn coping mechanisms and ways of being able to um, gain control over what's going on. So eating disorders are not about food. It doesn't have anything to do with the food. It has to do with control. So typically when one's life is out of control, it's for somebody that's suffering with an eating disorder, the food is the one thing that they can control. They can control how much they put in their body and they can control how much they do not put in their body. They're also controlling whether or not they're going to purge, meaning vomit. So it's about control. A hundred percent of people that have eating disorders have trauma. Every single person that has an eating disorder has trauma. And I touched on trauma in a past episode. And, you know, we have big T traumas and little T traumas. So, you know, sexual abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse, domestic violence, um, divorce, big T traumas, little T traumas, uh, not being seen or heard, parents not having boundaries, parents not regulating their own emotions, um, not acknowledging one's reality, denying the child's reality, um, not having boundaries. So those are just off the top of my head that I could think of for the little T traumas. So every single person that has an eating disorder has trauma. And the goal in therapy is to address the trauma and to be able to work through those inner child wounds. And that's what I do with my clients. Also, you know, education and um, understanding uh, where this is coming from and um, why they're engaging in the behavior. So I'm just going to kind of speak generally on the top six disorders, and then I'm going to touch on some other symptoms. But when I think about the eating disorder, this is how I kind of say it to my client. At the top of the umbrella, so you have an umbrella, and at the top of the umbrella, we have the eating disorder, whether it's, um, you know, anorexia, uh, bulimia, um, pica, whatever other type of disorder. So at the top of the umbrella is the eating disorder. And then branching off from the top of that umbrella, we have depression, we have anxiety, we have OCD, we have low self-esteem, we have panic attacks, um, we have irregular menstrual cycles, uh, we have medical issues, we have uses of laxatives. Um, so the main issue is the disordered eating, is the true eating disorder. And then everything else is a symptom of the disorder. So 
apparently, according to this article that I found, where the hell is it? (laughs) 20 million women suffer with an eating disorder and 10 million men. And oftentimes, eating disorders can be reinforced with certain lifestyles. So gymnasts, ballet dancers, um, wrestlers, um, specific uh, activities that people engage in that focus, uh, cheerleading, um, that focus on your weight and maintaining a certain weight um, can contribute also to an eating disorder. So there's six common uh, disorders and I'm just going to kind of run through them so we can have a general understanding of what that looks like. So anorexia nervosa is one that most people are very familiar with and it can often develop in adolescence and young adulthood Uh, but as I said it does begin at birth um, and there are usually some other signs and indicators often people that have anorexia um, have a form of body dysmorphia um, so they don't really see their body the way that it truly is Um, they can see themselves as appearing to be overweight uh, even though they might be possibly dangerously underweight they um, continuously avoid eating certain foods Um, they're constantly monitoring their weight Uh, they might restrict calories So some symptoms of anorexia nervosa. Um, Being considerably underweight compared with people of similar age and height. Very restricted eating patterns. An intense fear of gaining weight or persistent behaviors to avoid gaining weight despite being underweight. So there's a fear there. Um, A relentless pursuit of thinness and unwillingness to maintain a heavy weight. A heavy influence of body weight or perceived body shape on their self-esteem and a distorted body image including denial of being seriously underweight obsessive compulsive symptoms are often present as I said so that's a symptom of the disorder they're preoccupied with constant thoughts about food and are obsessive with collecting uh, maybe recipes or even hoarding food. Oftentimes these people have difficulty eating in public and they may exhibit a desire to control their environment, limiting their ability for spontaneity. Anorexia is officially categorized into two subtypes, the restricting type and the binge eating and purging type. So either they are not eating, restricting, or it's anorexia with binging and purging. So they're overeating 
and then throwing up, vomiting. The restricting type um, lose weight solely through dieting, fasting, or excessive exercise. Sometimes um, you find individuals um, suffering with anorexia, they can exercise for like eight hours a day. That's excessive. And when I'm saying binging, I'm saying a massive amount of food, like an entire pizza, um, a whole box or bag of cookies. Um, I mean, we're talking like not what a normal um, average uh, appetite would look like. So individuals with the binge eating and purging type, they might binge on large amounts of food um, or eat very little. In both cases, after they eat, they tend to purge using activities such as vomiting, laxatives, diuretics, or the um, excessive exercising. Anorexia is damaging to the body. Over time, individuals living with it may experience the thinning of their bones, infertility, brittle hair and nails, and the growth of a layer of fine hair all over the body. Also, what I said too about the heart. Um, it's oftentimes people with anorexia are very cold. Um, their uh, blood circulation isn't um, working properly. We also have deficiencies in certain nutrients and vitamins and minerals um, because we're depleting the body of nourishment and what it needs. Um, what I've said to my clients before is your body is like a car. It's like if you don't put gas in it, the car doesn't go anywhere. It's the same thing with the body. We have to nourish the body so that way it functions optimally. And then the mind will work. We talked about um, gut health and the importance of that. And this right here is key. You are what you eat. So if you're not eating anything, that's not going to be good. If we're eating too much, then, then there's issues there. In severe cases, anorexia can result in heart, brain, or multi-organ failures and death. People with anorexia nervosa may limit their food intake or compensate for it through various purging behaviors. There's an intense fear of gaining weight, even when severely underweight. So when I do assessments and questioning with clients, um, there's a couple specific things. So have you lost or gained 10 pounds or more in the last six months without trying? Um, do you have a major fear or phobia about gaining weight or becoming fat? Have you ever used laxatives to lose weight? Um, that's just kind of off the top of my head. Uh, I ask women um, that, you know, around their cycle, uh, teenagers and stuff, I mean, and older women, but how's their menstrual cycle and is it regular? Um, so those are kind of like things that I look for. Bulimia nervosa is another type of an eating disorder. Like anorexia, uh, it tends to develop in adolescence and early adulthood. It's less common in men than women. People that have bulimia will eat unusually large amounts of food in a specific period of time. Each binge eating episode usually continues until the person becomes painfully full. During a binge, the person usually feels that they can't stop eating or control how much they're eating. So there's a feeling of not having control. 
Binges can happen with any type of food, but most commonly occur with foods the individual would normally avoid. So oftentimes too, I hear that we're eating uh, comfort food. Um, So things that, you know, are high in carbs, um, junk food, fast food, things like that. The brain has two hormones that tell the stomach whether or not um, it's time to eat. So you have a hormone in your brain that tells you that you're hungry. And there's a hormone in the brain that tells the stomach that you're full. So there's two different hormones. And I don't recall what the names of them are, so I apologize. Um, But it's for education purposes. Um, One tells your stomach that you're hungry, so it's time to eat. And then one says we're full. So if the brain isn't functioning properly, which is partly to do if the gut isn't functioning properly, then those hormones are, not, are also not going to be functioning properly. Um, so individuals that have bulimia, um, then they may purge to compensate for the calories that they've consumed and then relieve their gut discomfort because they're feeling so full. Uh, Purging behaviors would include vomiting, fasting, laxatives, diuretics, enemas, and then the excessive exercise. Symptoms may appear very similar to those of binge eating or purging subtypes of anorexia nervosa. However, individuals with bulimia usually maintain a relatively normal weight rather than becoming underweight. And... For those that do binge and purge, when you do throw up, your body isn't going to get rid of everything. So that's why um, individuals that have this type of eating disorder are not super thin because the body's going to hold on to as much as it can. So it's really difficult to kind of lose weight um, with the binging and purging uh, type of disorder because the body's going to hold on to as much as it possibly can. And you can only throw up so much. So symptoms of bulimia nervosa, recurrent episodes of binge eating with a feeling of lack of control, recurrent episodes of inappropriate purging behaviors to prevent weight gain, a self-esteem overly influenced by body shape and weight, and a fear of gaining weight despite having a normal weight. Side effects of bulimia may also include inflamed or sore throat, swollen salivary glands, worn tooth enamel, tooth decay, acid reflux, irritation of the gut, severe dehydration, and hormonal disturbances. I've seen women too that um, had um, sunken cheeks and scars on their faces and it's from sticking their fingers down their throat. In severe cases, bulimia can create an imbalance of electrolytes such as sodium, potassium, and calcium, which can potentially cause a stroke or a heart attack. So. In summary, people that have bulimia nervosa eat large amounts of food in short periods of time, and then they purge. 
They fear gaining weight even though they have a normal weight. So binge eating disorder. Binge eating disorder is believed to be one of the most common eating disorders, especially in the United States. It begins during adolescence and early adulthood, although it can develop later on. Individuals with this disorder have symptoms similar to bulimia or the binge eating subtype of anorexia. They typically eat unusually large amounts of food in a relatively short period of time and feel a lack of control during the binges. People with binge eating disorder do not restrict calories or use purging behaviors such as vomiting or exercise to compensate for their binges. So symptoms of a binge eating disorder, eating large amounts of food rapidly, in secret and until uncomfortably full, despite not feeling hungry. So oftentimes I find individuals, they hoard their food or they're hiding what they're eating. Feeling a lack of control during these episodes. Feelings of distress, such as shame, disgust, or guilt when thinking about the binge eating behavior. So there's a cycle. So there's a trigger, they don't feel good, they eat to feel good, and then they feel shame and guilt because they just engaged in that behavior, and then the cycle just keeps continuing. There's no use of purging behaviors, calorie restriction, vomiting, exercise, or laxative or diuretic use. People with binge eating disorder um, often are overweight or obese, which also increases their risk of medical complications that is linked to excess weight, such as heart disease, stroke, and type 2 diabetes. So people with binge eating disorder um, are regularly and uncontrollably consuming large amounts of food in short periods of time, unlike people with other eating disorders. They do not purge. Pica. Pica is another eating disorder that involves eating things that are not considered food. So I've had clients, they used to eat paper. Um, I had a little girl and I remember, I think she was in second or third grade. She was like around eight years old or so, first, second grade, and she would eat paper. Um, so some examples, um, they crave non-food substances. So things like ice, dirt, chalk, soap, paper, hair, cloth, wool, pebbles, laundry detergent, or cornstarch. I remember a colleague of mine telling me that she had a client that would eat the um, Lysol wipes. She would rip up the Lysol wipes and eat those and was doing it for years. So that also kind of gives me an indication that she felt dirty inside and she was trying to clean. She may have felt disgusted or didn't like herself, hated herself, um, and was trying to clean herself. So I wonder if there's, um, in that situation or circumstance, uh, some forms of sexual abuse, um, feeling dirty. So pica can occur in adults as well as children and adolescents. This disorder is frequently observed in children, pregnant women, and individuals with mental disabilities. 
individuals with pica may be at an increased risk of poisoning, infections, gut injuries, and nutritional deficiencies, depending on the substances that are being ingested. And pica is fatal. So I read somewhere that somebody that craves dirt has low iron. So these cravings too can be linked to deficiencies in the body, nutrients that are lacking. So pica, the eating of non-food substances, must not be a normal part of somebody's culture or religion. It must not be considered a socially acceptable practice by the person or the person's peers. So individuals with pica tend to crave and eat non-food substances. And this disorder is particularly affected with children, pregnant women, and mental disabilities. Rumination disorder Rumination disorder is a newly recognized eating disorder. And the condition is with which a person regurgitates food they have previously chewed and swallowed and rechews it and then either re-swallows it or spits it out. That's fucking gross. Sorry, I I don't mean to laugh, but that's just gross. And and I feel really bad for somebody that would engage in that. So uh, my apologies for being insensitive, but that's just gross. Rumination um, typically occurs within the first 30 minutes after a meal. Unlike medical conditions like an acid reflux, this is voluntary. So they are voluntarily doing this. This disorder can develop during infancy, childhood, or adulthood. In infants, it tends to develop between 3 to 12 months of age, and it disappears on its own. Children and adults with this condition typically require therapy to resolve it. If it's not resolved in infants, rumination disorder can result in weight loss and severe malnutrition that can be fatal. Adults with this disorder may restrict the amount of food that they eat, especially in public. This may lead them to lose weight and become underweight. So rumination disorder, in summary, can affect people of all stages of life. And people with this condition generally regurgitate the food they've recently swallowed. Then they chew it again and either swallow or spit it out. Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder is a new name for an old disorder. This term replaces what was known as feeding disorder or infancy and early childhood. It's tip and it the diagnosis previously was reserved for children under 7. So ARFID, Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake, develops during infancy or early childhood, and it can persist into adulthood. It's equally common among men and women. 
Individuals with this disorder experience disturbed eating either due to a lack of interest in eating or a distaste for certain smells, tastes, colors, textures, and temperatures. So they won't eat certain foods because they don't like the way it feels in their mouth or um, the way that it smells or the color. It just kind of makes me think of like cauliflower, reminds me of brains. Um, I actually don't like eating cauliflower, um, but I don't think that I follow under this category. Um, and actually when I was pregnant, I'll never forget too, um, I started to um, have an avoidance of broccoli uh, because I didn't like the way that it tasted. So like these are examples of this type of um, disorder. Now it has to be interfering in other areas. Um, I'm going to touch on here, but those are some other examples. Symptoms of avoidant restrictive Food Intake Disorder, A-R-F-I-D. It's an avoidance or restriction of food intake that prevents the person from eating sufficient calories or nutrients. Eating habits that interfere with normal social functions, such as eating with others. So that's what I was saying. It has to interfere in other areas of your life. Weight loss or poor development for the age and height and nutrient deficiencies or dependence on supplements or tube feeding. So having to have a feeding tube. It's important to note that ARFID goes beyond normal behaviors, such as just being a picky eater in toddlers or lower food intake in older adults. It does not include the avoidance or restriction of foods due to lack of availability or religious or cultural practices. ARFID is an eating disorder that causes people to undereat. This is either due to a lack of interest in food or an intense distaste for how certain foods look, smell, or taste. So just a couple other types of eating disorders that are less known and less common is purging disorder. Individuals with purging disorder often use purging behaviors such as vomiting, laxatives, diuretics, or excessive exercise to control their weight or their shape. However, they're not binging. Night eating syndrome is individuals with this syndrome frequently eat excessively often after awakening from sleep. And other specified feeding or eating disorder, OSFED. While not found in the DSM-5, this includes any other condition that have symptoms similar to those of an eating disorder but don't fit into any of the other categories. So I also wanted to touch on um, one other disorder that would fall under the other specified feeding or eating disorder. Uh, It's no longer listed in the DSM, they removed it, but 
orthorexia, O-R-T-H-O-R-E-X-I-A, orthorexia. Um, so what that is, is individuals with this type of uh, illness issue, orthorexia, they tend to have an obsessive focus on healthy eating to an extent that it disrupts their daily life. So I'm not just talking about the average Joe Schmo that wants to eat healthy. I'm talking about somebody that is consumed and overly like doing it with constant healthy eating. So for instance, the um, individual might eliminate entire food groups fearing they're unhealthy, which can lead to malnutrition, severe weight loss, difficulty eating outside the home, and emotional distress. Individuals with orthorexia rarely focus on losing weight. Instead, their self-worth, their identity, or satisfaction is dependent upon how well they comply with their self-imposed diet rules. So, in summary, the purging disorder and night eating syndrome are two additional eating disorders that are currently not well described. The other specific feeding or eating disorder category includes all eating disorders such as orthorexia that don't fit into another category. So that is a general overview of the symptoms and what to look for when we are assessing and diagnosing for an eating disorder. So now I'm going to touch on some red flags. Low body weight, weight fluctuation, menstrual irregularities, insomnia or difficulty sleeping, dizzy spells, fainting or blackouts, hair loss, often feeling cold, swollen, puffy cheeks, fine hair growth on the body and the face, dry or yellowish skin, swelling of the arms or legs, constipation, dehydration, fatigue, low blood pressure, vitamin or electrolyte deficiencies, preoccupation with food, calories, cooking recipes or exercise, frequent weighing, dieting, compulsively exercising, moving or standing, laxative diuretic use, evidence of self-induced vomiting, restricted, restricting liquid intake and refusing to eat, frequent trips to the bathroom after meals, frequent fad dieting, restricting types of foods or food groups, becoming a vegetarian, a vegan, lactose or gluten intolerant, eating very rapidly or very slowly, 
deciding to only eat organic, raw, or unprocessed foods, eating abnormally large or small amounts of foods, strange food combinations, secretive eating or hiding hoarding food, nervousness or anxiety around food, deception about food or exercise, defensiveness, anger, or tearfulness when eating behavior is addressed, frequent body comparison to others, shame or guilt about food, dogmatic belief in food being good or bad, using food or exercise as a coping method, and mood swings or emotional outbursts. So, there are ways of learning how to cope with this and deal with this. And um, sometimes people need hospital intervention depending on how serious or severe uh, the disorder is. So the um, Eating Disorder Alliance, um, I believe the uh, like corporate office is in West Palm, Florida, but the Eating Disorder Alliance um, is a good place to start. Um, they have support groups um, and can potentially link others um, with treatment if they need inpatient treatment. A couple of books that I do suggest is Life Beyond Your Eating Disorder. And um, the woman that wrote that, I think her name is Joanne or Joanna. Um, She did the training that I did years ago and um, she runs the Eating Disorder Alliance. Uh, So Life Beyond Your Eating Disorder is one book, um, Embody Kindness, Uh, is another book that can be helpful. So there are ways to learn how to manage all of this. And it's not about controlling the food, but it's about changing your lifestyle with food. And as I've said on here before, food is medicine. So everything you're putting into your body is going to either hurt it or harm it. So we got to be sure that we are properly nourishing uh, and taking care of our body. We want to be kind and gentle and nurturing towards yourself and your body. And unconditional love of oneself, loving yourself, flaws and all. But oftentimes too, there's trauma work that needs to be done. So this is my episode on eating disorders, and I hope that you found this to be helpful. Um, Don't go diagnosing yourself, and there's a difference, like I said, between, you know, healthy eating and living a healthy lifestyle versus um, a true eating disorder. Oh, check me out on my website jjlotustherapy.com Namaste